To listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Carry Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is the preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Well, welcome everybody, and definitely we're going to have a great time. Just an honor to God that there are people who will stand because the church has hope. Because Christ, the living Jesus, very soon will be coming for his church. Faultless and blameless, he is holding us up to the glory of his name. We are in difficult times, but this is the time of the shining of the believer. This is the time that we are going to stand out and everybody will understand the character of gold for which we have that in perilous times like this, we rather shine for them more. In times of difficulties, we rather actually blaze them more. That is the character for which we have been framed and formed. The Holy Spirit in us brings out the excellency of the glory of God that everybody will know that this container carries the permanent and the, 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 the temporary cannot suffer together with it. Praise God. Well, we've been talking a lot about the excellent culture. And I think this is about part four or five. Um, um, it's been just amazing how it's been going. And I thank God for the great feedback that I hear regarding this particular one. As a matter of fact, this is one of the sops of the Jesus culture. Okay, we actually uh, said that when you get born again, there's the life you live in the kingdom. It becomes your way of life. Kindly make sure that you have all your materials, your, your writing materials, and you take notes accordingly. Very, very important. We are students of Christ, and students are always ready to write when they come to the lecture hall. So we are being trained, and that's what we do. We write, and we go home, and we go through them, and we study them, and we become masters of what we have been taught by the grace of God. So it's important that you write, and you make sure you put everything down. So we are talking about exercising your spirit under the excellence culture. Now, I started by saying that the word adere and the word diaphorus. Uh, the word adere is the Hebrew word for excellent. How God, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Uh, in Psalm 8, David will say. And then also you come into the New Testament, diaphorus, the Greek word for excellence. And it stands for vary. It stands for difference. It stands for virtue. Somebody who stands out by the grace of God and radiates the beauty of God in them. You see, God has called us unto excellence because he has given us the spirit of excellence. But there's a way to bring out that excellent spirit that is in us, so we will manifest that life. 
And I said that the first thing to do is make sure that you are rooted in the word, that you study the word. You are a student of the word. When you're studying the word, you are exercising that excellent spirit in you to manifest that very grace for which you have been giving. And the next I spoke about is prayer. Okay? I spoke about prayer. When you pray, prayer changes you. Prayer works you. Prayer makes you walk and manifest the will and the grace of God, that excellent spirit for which you have been born again. All right, we spoke deep into, deep into that, and you need to get the get to YouTube or to Facebook. You definitely have all of them to make sure you watch and write your notes and live the excellent life. Um, last week we spoke about fasting, fasting. Fasting, and I made us understand very major, major things we need to understand. Fasting does not actually, um, you don't fast to, to uh, what do you call it, to ask for the spirit. No, you fast because you are full of the spirit. Okay, so all of these things we're talking about, studying the word, prayer, fasting, you don't do them because you want to gain God's attention. You do them because God wants to rather have your attention. So it is for you. It is not for God. And so you do them into devotion. We learned last week that Jesus fasted when he was full of the Holy Ghost. All right, after he was also endorsed by God. So you don't fast for God to accept you. You have already been accepted in his beloved Nothing changes that fact. Nothing takes away that truth. That is who you are in Christ. And you better enjoy that. So you don't ask for forgiveness <laughs> with fasting. No, 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 no. It's an upfront to the work of redemption. What Christ has done with the blood. So you're saying that the blood can cleanse you. It's fasting. No, you are accepted in his beloved. So you don't fast like David. You don't fast like um, Jeremiah. You don't fast like uh, Daniel. No, you have been cleansed. The Bible says he's our advocate. Alright, so you have been cleansed by the blood. And, and all of these things are very key. You don't fast for material things. Oh my word. As if your God is so wicked. Things that unbelievers take. They just take them. Why do you have to fast for them? No. You don't fast for material things. And Jesus taught us that. Please make sure you get that as well. Now, today, I'll definitely, next week, I'll come back to fasting. But I want to touch on something that would help us when I'm talking about fasting. I'm talking about exercising your spirit. Praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. This is one of the major topics that there are a lot of questions regarding praying in tongues. Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 18. Apostle Paul spoke a lot about praying in tongues and prophesying in this particular chapter. Okay? And so... 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 18 says, I thank God that I speak in tongues privately more than any of the rest of you. Wow. 
So, the big question is, why would this man, who wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament, we say the New Testament, forget about the four Gospels, about the, I mean, we're talking about the New Testament. The New Testament starts from Acts. So, note that. Note that. It starts from Acts after Jesus resurrected. That's when he left the testament, the estate. Okay? Good. That's why <laughs> the four gospels normally uh, write the four gospels write about what the events that happened during the lifetime of Jesus. But then the epistle speaks to what Jesus left for the believer. And how the believer lives the post-resurrected life. Praise God. Okay, so you realize for most, anytime they are writing in the Gospels, they write Jesus or Jesus Christ. The Savior, the work he has come to do as the Savior comes first. Because that's what was the mission. When you get into the epistles, it is turned around. Christ Jesus. Why? Because he has fulfilled and has become the chosen one. The anointed one. The one who is risen from the dead. So Christ Jesus. So note some of these things. So the game changer is the resurrection of Christ. And that's why how you do things before the resurrection would definitely be different from how you do things after. Okay, so some of these things must be very, very clear. And we must have them. Otherwise, we can't live that victorious Christian life for which all of us have been given. I thank God that I speak in tongues privately more than any of the rest of you. So this is Apostle Paul. Talking about speaking in tongues. Okay. And he says, he does that more. And we all know exactly how much this guy did with regards to explaining and giving us exposition to what Christ came to do. Okay. And he's actually bringing us a secret to being able to do so much for the Lord Jesus by praying in the Spirit. Now, look at Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7. Isaiah 56, verse 7 said, I will bring them to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burns, the offerings, and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. So this is Isaiah prophesying about the church to come. And he says that what the church is going to be is going to be the church that prays. The church that prays. Now note very carefully that Isaiah was talking also about the believer. Yes, about the believer. That the body of Christ is going to be the body that prays. And if you today has become the temple and the house of God, it means that you 
shall be a house that prays. A house that prays. That's what is actually quoted in Matthew 21 verse 13. When Jesus saw them and, and they were actually making and doing business with God's work. And that's all they came to do. Jesus actually had to whip them and make this correction. And then he quoted Isaiah and he said, it is written. He said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of what? Robbers. So, your house, your house, the temple of God for which you are, must be the temple of what? Prayer. Every time, like a chimney, that smoke comes out of, what it means is that you are a chimney of prayer. <laughs> Every time prayer should be coming out of you. Praise God. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. That's what Apostle Paul also speaks to. He says, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to to yourself. So, we are the house of God. And God, by His Spirit, dwells in us. Praise God. Jude 20. Jude 20. Jude 20. Why do I say Jude 20? Because Jude is just one chapter. Jude 20. It's a very short letter. And Jude was a brother of Christ. But you, my dear beloved, Beloved, so you see how Jude is, uh, Jude, um, is, is being addressed to, and, and, and to the, the letters. We are the beloved, beloved, beloved of God. Praise God. And so the beloved of God who are accepted by God, he says, how do you build each other up in your most holy faith? He said, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes if somebody says this, pray in the power, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what you think. It doesn't mean pray in tongues. Let's pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. doesn't mean that you pray in tongues. All right? Okay, so people can arguably say that, well, he says pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So as you pray, you invoke the power of the Holy Spirit once you pray in your understanding. Okay, yes. Okay, but we're going to look at it. Praying in the Spirit. First Thessalonians 5.17 Always keep on what? Praying. Now, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Alright, so you can realize that prayer is a constant for the believer. And it's a constant in, must be a constant in the believer. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, speaks clearly to this. When he had told us exactly how to put on our spiritual armor from head to the feet, he said clearly, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to the end with all persever perseverance 
and supplication for all the saints. So you can see Paul talking about prayer in the spirit or supplication in the spirit. 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 Now, sometimes if you're not careful, you have this idea or ideology or what people normally tell you and you feel that the Holy Spirit is not in you. Because maybe you did something wrong or something happened that is not you know is not in the will of God. And, and so you, 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 you are like, ah, am I a child of God? Do I have to pray? What do I do? Do I have to get born again, again? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1, 13 to 14. In him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I like the 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of of his glory. Hallelujah. So there is the guarantee. The guarantee that you are a child of God. Is the seal of the Holy Spirit. So every believer has been guaranteed. Just like a product is sealed. And when it is sealed, it has the embossment and the endorsement of the manufacturer. And the manufacturer tells everybody that this carries my nature. In the same way, this is what speaks to the fact that we are of God. This is our seal. And so that seal is sealed. Praise God. Nothing takes away that seal. It is the seal that is for us. And that's why Ephesians 4, verse 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This redemption is not talking about what Christ did on the work of the cross. He is talking about the day that you will be raptured. Oh, praise God. That is the guarantee that you are connected. You are wired. And so when Christ comes, you have the spirit of Christ and therefore you will be raptured. Praise God. Okay. So you see, Jude makes us understand that to be able to always exercise your spirit, you must pray in the power of the Holy Ghost or you must pray in the spirit. Is that correct? And that makes you maintain the life. That's why he said, you will be edified. Somebody say edified. Building yourselves in your most holy faith. Okay? If you read the New King James Version, he says that he that prays in the Spirit, he said, praying in the Spirit, you pray to edify yourself. You edify yourself. 
Look at Romans chapter 8, 9, 14, 16, 17. It gives us the understanding once again that the Holy Spirit is in the believer. But you are not in the flesh. In other words, you are not just physical beings. But in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So, if the spirit of God dwells in you, then you are what? A child of God. Look at what he says next. He says, now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Romans 9.14, let's continue. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So the Spirit, number one, dwells in us that makes us the children of God. And the Spirit also leads us, praise God, leads who? The children of God. 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Oh, hallelujah. So it is this same spirit of the Holy Ghost that bears witness to the Father that we are the children of God. Hallelujah. And if the children, 17, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Praise God. Alright, so it is the spirit that also helps us to suffer for Christ. Are you getting the point? And to enjoy every benefit of inheritance that has been given to the believer. If you read First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 7, where he speaks about the gifts of the spirit, he also says so, from 1 to 7. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away uh, to these dumb idols. How However, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a case. So, the only way that people will not call Jesus a case is when they have the Spirit of God. Because that's the witness. Because that's what dwells in the children of God. That's what leads them. Praise God. Then he talks about the diversity of the spirits. And then he said, it's the same spirit that works in all of us. But verse 7. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So every believer Profits from the manifestation of that same spirit that dwells in them. Praise God. Okay. Alright. Now, if you read Ezekiel 36, 26-27, it speaks to the coming of the spirit. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take a heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Joel 2.28, referenced in Acts chapter 2 verse 17 to 19. Joel 2.28, referenced in Acts chapter 2, 17 to 19. 
you, you know that I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall speak, into, your, your, your mates shall, shall prophesy. You know, so all of these speak to the fact that the Holy Spirit is given to us. Amen. Alright, so we can clearly say by all of these uh, verses and in the Bible, I mean, in the multitude of counsel, there is safety, there is security. That's actually what the scripture means. What it means is that when you can see the scripture saying one thing all from all angles, saying the same thing, it emphasizes what the truth is. It's a confirmation of what the truth is. Okay? That's what it actually means. Okay? So, we get to understand. Look at John 14, verse 16 to 18. And I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper. So, this was Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. Another day is the same kind. I will give you of myself. He is like me. Just And look at what he says. That he may abide with you forever. So, you see, that is non-negotiable. The Holy Spirit abides in you forever. That connection will never be broken. And so you must always have that assurance in your spirit that if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit abides in you and with you forever. And he says he is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He was talking then to the disciples. So an extension now to us. When he had resurrected and poured the Holy Spirit on us. And he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So this is Jesus giving us that comfort and assurance that the Holy Spirit, which is his witness in our spirit, that bears witness to the Father for the work he has done, stays in us forever. Unto the day of redemption. Praise God. So just like my son or my daughter, what it means is that, you see, my son, my daughter, carries my DNA. The believer carries the DNA of God. So, you see, you have the genes of God living inside of you. So, you see, doing things by the Spirit is natural to the believer. Because that's actually your nature. So you see, you don't say, oh, I am Adamic. No, you have moved. You now live by the capacity of the Spirit. That's your true nature. So when we say walking in the Spirit or living in the Spirit, that's what we are talking about. It is actually the nature of the believer. Of the believer. The nature of the believer. Hallelujah. Okay, so that's why we are to pray also in the spirit. Because whatever the spirit of God has made us, it means that we have the capacity 
to do it. There is no limitation. Because the genes is flowing. It must flow naturally. Praise God. Are you understanding this? Okay, good. So when you hear people asking for the double portion, then you ask yourself, what are they asking for? <laughs> you know, because in English grammar, it means that I want two, two times. <laughs> I guess the word. But when Elijah, Elijah was requesting from Elijah the double portion, what he was talking about has to do with how inheritance is shared among the Jews. Now, with regards to the Jews, the firstborn has a double portion of the inheritance. So, if, if the father has, let's say, five children, so I have four children, let's say I have four children, and I have several parcels of land, and I want to actually divide the land into portions for my children. What I would do is to divide the land into five portions. I have four children. So I divide the land into five portions. So I give Cake one. I give Joshua one. I give Kelly one. And then I give Trudy one. It is left with one. And then I give that one to Kek, who is the firstborn son. So Kek now has a double portion. Now, Elijah had a school of prophets, and he was training them as sons. So when he was living, Elijah requested for the double portion so that he will be the head of the sons <laughs> of prophets. So the, <laughs> he was asking for the sharing of the inheritance such that he, who is more like the firstborn son, shall receive a double portion and take over the schools of prophets for Elijah. <laughs> so you see, so when you are praying for the double portion, it looks like you don't have understanding. And these are songs we, we have sung, we have prayed them, they are the message, uh, the topics we preach, you know, and all of that. But thank God for insight. Praise God. Alright, so what is prayer? Praying in the Spirit. You. Have the Spirit dwelling in you. The Spirit dwells in you and works in you forever until the day of redemption. Praise God. Alright. So, praying. What is prayer? Prayer is to make a desire known or make a request. Either for me or for someone else on my behalf. You can pray for people. You can pray for things. You can pray for circumstances. You can pray for events to happen. And you can pray for events to stop. 
in Acts chapter 12, they stopped an event where Peter was caught and they were about to kill him. They prayed until he was released. They stopped the event. It didn't happen. Herod's way. Because people prayed. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 is a prayer for missionaries who are going with the gospel. That they will pray. And you pray for them to be bold to declare the utterance of God, the mysteries of the gospel. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 1 to 2. You pray for the influence of the word. That the word should grow and spread across. And then verse 2 talk, talks about the protection for the messengers of the gospel to be kept in safety. Ephesians chapter 1, 15, 19. You pray for the enlightenment of the eyes of our understanding to know the word. So when you are praying for Christians, you can pray for Christians to know the word, to understand the word, and to know the hope of their calling. Philemon says this, I thank God for making mention of you in all my prayers, the hearing of your love and your faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward the saints, that the sharing of your faith become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you. So you can pray. That saints will be able to share in the faith and acknowledge effectively every good thing, every inheritance that Christ has given them. Ephesians 3, 14-19 talks about we praying to be strengthened in the inner man. So you don't criticize people when they are going through challenges. You pray that they will be strengthened. I have realized that when you pray for people, you, you, you don't criticize them. Yeah, you, 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 you don't criticize people you pray for because you intercede for them. And so you yourself will not negate by talking against them and speaking against them from behind because you pray for them. The reason why we nag and the reason why we criticize people and we back, what you, backbite um, is because we don't pray for people. We don't intercede for people. We are quick to judge people. But Bible said we pray that they will be strengthened in their inner man. They will be able to endure. They will be able to know the Lord. We pray for people. Christ prays for the forgiveness of our enemies. Matthew chapter 5 verse 44. To live in love. So you can pray for us to live in love with one another. Okay. In John 14. 16 to 18, Jesus talks about the paracletus, our helper. So you see that the Holy Spirit, in prayer, helps us. He becomes our source of strength. He guides us. He's able to make us know things that nobody else knows. Amazing. 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 And, and that is the reason why we are to pray in the Spirit. Because for most of the time, we may have an idea, because definitely when you're coming to pray, you have a desire. 
But the point is, how you really ought to pray about that desire you are not too sure of. Is that correct? Yeah. You are not too sure. But you see, the Holy Spirit who is omniscience, that dwells in you, will pray in you. He is not the one praying, you know that. You are the one praying, but he is praying with you in you. And he is directing your prayer. Investigating everything regarding that desire. The way God really knows it is. To bring it to pass. Romans chapter 8, 26 to 27. That is what Apostle, sorry, that is what Apostle Paul speaks to. Romans chapter 8, 26 to 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weakness. Our weakness is now in, in, in other translations, it's infirmities. But the matter of fact is that in the Greek, the word is not in plural. The word is singular. So it is infirmity. Yeah. Not infirmities and not weaknesses. Weakness. Now, what it is is that he is not talking about different things. He is talking about that singular thing that is the weakness of every man because no man knows the entirety of the desire they are praying for. So it is every human being's weakness. Are you here with me? That when you are praying, you are limited. So he says, what is that weakness? Continue. For we do not know what we should pray. Is that what he said? Is that what he said? For we do not know what we should pray for. Is that what he said? No, check what he, he asked. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. That is the difference. <laughs> that is the weakness. That is the infirmity. We do not know what we should pray for. No, we know what we should pray for. Everybody coming to prayer knows what they are praying for. But what we are not sure about is how we ought to pray about it. It's everybody's weakness. And that is where he says, but the Spirit himself makes intercession 
for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Praise God. In other words, with deep compassion. Because what it means is that whatever we are asking or praying for, he is so concerned about it for us to have results. So he doesn't leave us to wind. He rather deepens our compassion and our deep-seated desire to have it. So we can pray aright. To have the desired results. Oh, praise God. He's a good God. And he says, Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Praise God. So, what it actually says, the word he helps there, he helps there. He helps our infirmities or he helps our weaknesses. What it actually means is it takes hold together with us against. It takes hold. It takes hold together with us against. So he actually takes hold of you. And what it is that has to be done, you begin to together speak against. To have what you need to have. Praise God. So, against every hindrance, against every negativity, against every doubt, Against anything that stands in the way to bring you to the desired results. Praise God. Now, so, this is what he's doing in prayer. Hold on, we'll get it. Now, we are instructed to pray in two ways. Jesus told us to pray in faith. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Correct? So we are to pray in faith. Believe that you receive, you have them. James chapter 1, verse 6 also says that. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in his ways. We are also asked to pray in the name of Jesus. So we pray in faith, and faith in the name of Jesus. The authoritative name for whom everything in creation has been handed to. <laughs> John sixteen twenty four. John sixteen twenty four. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. <laughs> Ask in my name. That's what it means. 
and you'll receive that your joy will be full. So we are to ask in faith and in the name of Jesus. So now the question is, what is praying in the spirit? What is praying in the spirit? First Corinthians 14 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Did you get the word there? He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However what? In the what? In the what? Spirit. In the spirit. In the spirit. He who speaks in a tongue. And then he says, no one understands him. However, in the So, praying in tongues is praying in the Spirit. (laughs) So, when you speak in tongues, you are speaking to God in the Spirit. (laughs) Is that clear? Uh You are speaking to God in the Spirit. You are speaking to God in the Spirit. Now, You remember Jude said something. You remember Jude said something. What did Jude say? Jude 20. Jude one twenty. We should build up ourselves in the most holy faith by praying in the spirit. Is that right? So what it means is that when you speak in the spirit, you build up, you edify yourself. The word build, yes, is the same word edification. Edify. You edify yourself. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, 14. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. 14, 14. Let's all read together, go. He who speaks in a tongue edifies what? Himself. Is that correct? So it's Apostle Paul speaking the same thing that Jude was speaking to. Do you get the understanding? Jude said praying in the spirit builds you, edifies you. Apostle Paul didn't use praying in the spirit. Apostle Paul here uses praying in tongues. You edify yourself. Are you getting the point? So both of them are saying that praying in tongues is praying in the spirit. And the effect of it is that it edifies you. It builds you up in your most holy faith. Praise God. Is it clear? Okay. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. 14. 14, 
Garo de Gedeas, Libra Ando Legris Andea Gadasas, Libri Gadabada Legri Adabadabasas. Thank you, Holy Ghost. First Corinthians fourteen fourteen. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Hello. But my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. And I will also pray with the understanding. So Apostle Paul is saying right here. That praying in tongues is praying with the spirit. So... Ephesians is clear about that. Ephesians 6.18 Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Ephesians 6.18 Praying always with all prayer. So, Apostle Paul says, praying in the Spirit covers every kind of prayer. Praying in tongues covers every kind, every manner of prayer. Whatever prayer you are praying, you can pray in tongues. And you are hitting your target. You are hitting and getting to your direction. Because the Holy Spirit helps that infirmity of what you ought to pray for and he leads you right there for solutions. So the question is, how do you know that you are praying your desire in tongues? These are some of the basic things we fight with. So there are some of us, before you start praying in tongues, you first start praying in your understanding. To be sure that <laughs> you, are, you are getting it right. <laughs> okay? How do you do that? Before you pray, when you are praying in understanding, where do you have your desire? It's on your mind. It's on your mind. Before you even say it, it's on your mind, it's in your heart. So when you're praying in the spirit, you have your desire on your mind and in your heart. And so as you begin to pray in the spirit, the spirit is connected to the desire that is in your mind and in your heart and is wiring it accordingly as to how you ought to pray for that desire. <laughs> so you see, he bypasses your intellect and your knowledge. 
and gives you the intellect to pray as to how you need to pray for that thing. Are you here with me? Is, is the understanding very clear? So, the question also is, how do you know you are praying in faith? And in the name of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 4.13 2 Corinthians 4.13 And since we have the same spirit of faith, so the Holy Spirit is the spirit of what? Faith. So when a man is praying in the Holy Ghost, they are praying in faith. <laughs> and that's why he says, according to what is written, I believed, therefore I what? Spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. Praise God. So you see, when anybody is praying in tongues, they are already praying in faith. Because they are praying by the spirit of faith. Hallelujah. So when Bible said anything that is not done, anything that is done, that is not done in faith is sin. Is there anything that is not done by the spirit is sin. As Apostle Paul says, walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit. How do you know you are praying in the name of Jesus? Mark 16, 17. Mark 16, 17. When you are praying in tongues and you are praying in the Spirit, how do you know that you are praying in the name of Jesus? So some of you want to say, in the name of Jesus, first, to cover yourself, that you are sure, you, you know, the tongue doesn't cover it. Yeah, Mark sixteen seventeen. Look at what he says. And these signs will follow those who believe. Let's all say it. In my name, they will cast out what demons. They will speak with new. So when you're speaking in new tongues, you are also praying in the name of Jesus. Because the Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. It is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It is the same Spirit. 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 When a man prays in tongues, they are praying in the Spirit. And when a man prays in the Spirit, they cover and they can cover every manner of prayer. And that is why it is the exercise of their Spirit. And they are edified and they are built up. They receive revelations from God. They stop circumstances. They make things happen. They make things stop. They bind and they loose. And it does happen in the spirit. A man who really wants to change their world must be that man that prays in the spirit. The man 
Who wants to see the exploits of great Apostle Paul? Then what Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 18 must be one of their main pillars. I thank God that I speak in tongues privately more than any of the rest of you. Praise the Lord. I can tell you for a fact that what the word speaks always is what makes life the way it has to be. If we can understand some of these deep truths, that is what makes us stand out in our world. That's what makes us stand. I pray, and I pray 14 hours, praying in tongues, and by the time I'm done, I have revelations. I am strengthened in my spirit. There are things that put you down that can never put you down anymore. There are things you worry about, you don't worry about anymore. Because by the time you're done, you gain perspectives. The deep truths of God are opened up to you. Things that you thought were so main become very petty. And things that you thought were petty all of a sudden become huge things because they are things of the spirit that matter most. And the reason why most of us walk in the flesh a lot is because we don't pray in the spirit. So he does not help our infirmity. How we ought to pray. It takes much away from the excellent spirit that is in us for us to display. I pray that the Lord continues to give you understanding in his word. And as you pray in the spirit, may your most holy faith be built up as a mighty edifice to the glory of the living Jesus. Amen and amen. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Fields by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth. Come.